at your beck and call. Oh my god. <laughs> it, <laughs> this is the Judge Tower cast. How long were you waiting to do that one for? Huh? Uh, ever since the end of the first episode. <laughs> my name is Jan. You've reached the second floor. The and second with, floor. Yes. And with me today, once again, is Sam Humble Greek. Cephalus. I I never left. Actually, I've been here. You've just uh, slept. Yeah, You've been sleeping like, here. You know how like when you uh, like sometimes you work a really late shift at work and then a really early one, you just kind of think about like what if I just like slept in my car and just kind of stayed here. That's been me. You have a car? No, I don't. I don't even work here. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this this episode, we're going to talk about the cream that rises to the top. The cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. But first, uh, we got we to gotta confess something. So the first episode, uh, we went over the rules. Uh, not exactly how we play the game. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know what? That's okay. That's fine. Because... It's niche format. The beauty of it is, like, even even when you're playing it, you'll come across these weird situations where you just make up a rule sort of on the spot that just makes the most sense. There's no real, like, hard set rules or any specific way you should do things. Just whatever's fun and the most, uh, the most relevant to you. True. And with Judge Academy, um, notable not sponsor of this podcast... <laughs> Um, they had an event, I believe, a couple months ago, where they had Judge Tower on Cockatrice, and they said in the rules, you know, if you can explain your way out of a situation, and you know, people are okay with it, and then the game can continue. So, yeah. Um, but here, uh, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what we're going to call the Calgary Rules Variant. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because we live in Calgary. Yeah, this is just how we play the game. And, like, the, these rules variants aren't specific to Calgary or whatever, but uh, most people in our city and even in our province, uh, this is how we know how Judge Tower works and operates and how we do it and how we have the most fun with it. Exactly. So, um, basically, the biggest difference here is with the shame rules, I believe. Yeah. So we, we essentially, we completely scrap the notion of uh, like a shame counter. And what, what takes its place is pretty simple. You're, say you're in a four-person pod, I guess, a four-person group. If you make a mistake, you're just, you're out for the round. And that seems like it feels pretty bad, but the rounds just go a lot quicker and it's kind of a nice reset because when things get way too out of hand, they the round tends to end pretty fast. So you get kind of a, a quick reset and people get dealt back in. Also, if two players do end up going long, um, you know, the rest of the players can kind of play a side game. Yeah. Tower. Yeah. Um, so even more value there. Absolutely. If someone dies to a card, we take a Sharpie and we put a mark on the sleeve yeah um in very rare circumstances on the card sometimes we just sign a card because Mm -hmm. let's say you know not going to name names here but let's say your name is like ken right (laughs) and 
and, and you and you just keep dying to a hypersonic dragon <laughs> or something like that something <laughs> kind of vague yeah. Um, yeah no no specifics or anything no no specifics no, no, no. um yeah so yeah so so basically what what we're kind of getting at here is that like a cool thing we do just for fun is obviously we use re- like really cheap sleeves the nice thing about tower is like all your sleeves don't have to match and, and then you when someone dies to a card they have the shame sharpie which is just a regular sharpie but when you get handed it it's like uh like a shame ceremony and you have to put a mark on the outer sleeve of the card and they just it it generates a bunch of tally marks as people die to them and it's always a good time when you see someone draw a card with 15 kills marked on it and they're like oh no like what am i missing here this card seems easy and and uh something you brought up at some point when we were playing um you can really tell how angry someone was <laughs> by the length of the sharpie mark <laughs> by the length of the sharpie mark <laughs> you you can tell if they were on full tilt or maybe they're like ah you know that's okay i died here mm-hmm. that's fine or they just died by not tapping their swamp yeah um, precisely so another thing um not all of us do some of us we have a specific card set aside mm-hmm. not really supposed to be played but uh it's just used to mark moments where players miss attacks or miss blocks or yeah, just forget I, to do something well, basically when you when you lose to something that isn't a direct result of a card. So like you forget to attack, you forget your draw step. You since you commit like a game rules violation or you uh, break a judge tower rule that isn't specific to a card, you get to put a mark on the foiled dumbass. <laughs> I th- I think you were you were the the first one to have the foiled dumbass. Well, I had the foiled dumbass because of uh, it became my pact reminder, but. Oh, uh, I, yeah. Then I then had the idea to put it in my judge tower as well. I'm sure we will never talk about Summoner's Pact <laughs> ever at any point, or Terminus. Yeah. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> um. Some. This rule. The the next rule here. A, a little very specific to myself because I hate everyone. <laughs> uh we talked about last time how. If a card has the word may, it, you have to do as much as possible. And then we talked about, like, uh, it doesn't specifically say all mays are musts. Yeah. But we, when we teach Judge Tower, we basically tell them all mays are musts. Uh, that breaks some cards. So Jen has taken this to an entire other level that nobody asked for. No, no one asked nobody for. Nobody asked for. Uh, I'll give you an example uh hogak for example says you may cast hogak from your graveyard on the first line of text on the card so that means in jan's judge's tower judge tower if you cast hogak from your hand you lose (laughs) because it translates to you must cast hogak from your graveyard Uh, similarly meringue river prowler meringue river prowler reads you may cast meringue river prowler from your graveyard as long as you control a black or green permanent. So if you control a white, blue, or red permanent, 
that's not black or green, whatever, then you can cast it from your hand. But if you have this in your hand and you have a dark confidant, then uh, then you can't cast this from your hand. You can only cast it from your graveyard. This is <laughs> this is this has gone too far. It really has. But I'm not going to turn back now. No, he can't. No. And this is a nice thing too, right? Uh, different different people all have different roles between their judge towers, and that kind of stuff just needs to be made clear. If someone does something in my tower that they thought was a rule because it was in someone else's tower, I'll usually just let it slide because it's no fun. It kind of defeats the whole purpose, but stuff like this, you can always make up your own stuff and uh, die in whatever hole you decide to dig. That's true. Oh, one, one more thing that I didn't add to the show notes, but uh, just thought about is uh, the, the idea of activating abilities as soon as possible. Oh yes. Um, That includes mana abilities. So if you have a, you activate abilities in bottom up order. So if you have any sort of creature land where the creature become a creature ability is on the bottom, you specifically need to announce that you're activating the ability, uh, the you're activating the non mana ability, and then using its mana ability to pay for that because that's technically faster. Uh, it happens sooner, rather, than it would if you activated the ability and then responded to it by tapping it for mana. Yes, i.e. Treetop Village. Treetop Village. It's the one that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, let's let's take a look at our main topic. The cream of the crop. Absolutely. The cards that are just the chef's kiss in the mm-hmm. Judge Tower arsenal. Yes. Um, I believe we will start off with a card that really embodies Judge Tower. Yeah. So Blind Obedience is a one and a white enchantment with Extort, and I believe it reads creatures and artifacts your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, Correct, yes. So there's a lot going on here, but the reason why it's so good is that in, in Magic... It's your responsibility to remember your own triggers, but it's your opponent. It's both yours and your opponent's responsibility to remember uh, static effects such as creatures your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. So in Judge Tower, we we kind of get rid of the fact that if you if you're the one who has an effect, uh, such as blind obedience, if you control the blind obedience, it's on your opponents to remember the effect, unless you don't point it out. In which case you both lose. It's it's super interesting. It, it it works just just like magic, right? If I have if I have a blind obedience and or just like competitive magic, for example, if I have a blind obedience in play and you play uh, Sensei's Divining Top, and you put it into play untapped, and we realize half a turn later, a turn later that it was untapped, uh, and we call a judge, both players in that situation are getting a game rules violation. However, if I, the controller of the blind obedience, recognize immediately that you didn't put it into play tapped, and I call a judge, I'm not the one. I'm not getting a warning. Only, only you are. So we can, it kind of functions the same way there. Uh, and the reason why blind obedience is so good is because because of that, it's an ability that is always relevant and easy to forget. And it also has a trigger, which is different than the the static effect staple to the card. A trigger on every card that you cast as well so it it's just gets in the way of everything that you and your opponents do yeah um, 
It, it's involved in like everything. Yep. Um, the next card is uh, Mana Maze. Uh, this is one in a blue for an enchantment. Um, players cannot cast spells that share a color with the spell most recently cast this turn. So this one is just text for the sake of... I, I don't even understand why this card exists. Uh, it was printed in Invasion. Oh, So sure. this was like, you know, very multicolored based. Oh. Um, you know, they had weirder design sensibilities back right. in those days. Well, thank God for that because it's incredible in this format. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, you just have to pay attention to everything your opponents do and yourself as well mm -hmm. um knowing that you know, colors you know don't apply to non-colored artifacts mm -hmm. um so you can in fact play a top followed by an amulet of vigor back to back yeah but you cannot counter uh an arcane denial if you have mana maze in play or anything like that it, it's just it, it's yeah. just another card mm -hmm. that gets in the way of everything yeah. Uh, why don't you talk about this next card? Uh, so this next card is one of my least favorite cards that is in almost every Judge Tower I have played that is not my own. Uh, <laughs> and that is Beck and Call. And the reason I'm not a fan of this card, uh, I don't, I, I believe we talked about this a little bit in our last one, in our last episode, but the reason I don't like this card is because it feels like you draw it and then you just lose on the spot. But the reason why it's so good is because it doesn't just read like, oh, draw seven, like, oh, haha, <laughs> get rolled, like, now you lose. It it creates a bunch of triggers, and when you're actually trying to survive the beck and call turn, you, you're constantly paying attention to how many triggers you have on the stack, how many things are on top of those triggers, whether or not you can respond to them. And then you get through the whole beck and call turn, and you, you kind of sit there for a second, and you, you look at the board state. You take it all in and then realize that you forgot to tap a mountain or something ridiculously <laughs> easy. So I, the, the card is good. Like it, it's not an, it, it's not just in there for the sake of being rude. It's, it, it's a difficult card to kind of deal with, but it understandably has a lot of kills in almost every judge tower that it's in. I feel like there are multiple stages uh, <laughs> to beck and call. You're, you're, first interaction with beck and call is just drawing four cards straight up and then realizing oh i had an instance in the first three i lost the game or whatever yeah i'll learn from this mm -hmm. and then you dig deeper and you either you either die or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain <laughs> it's always it's always funny too because you survive the initial wave of the four cards and then you realize that you still have uh i believe it's Beck active the yes yes you still have the Beck effect even though you're casting or putting other creatures into play I believe it's actually casting no it's entering the battlefield it's entering the battlefield so it's, as yeah. your turn goes on because you've just drawn a million cards you still have that Beck effect active Beck effect Beck Beck effect yeah. we can combine this Beck right okay the next one is uh, a card that was recommended to me by uh one of the more veteran judges because of just how weird of an interaction it creates it's mm -hmm. called fireman angel uh three red white white 
for a 4-3 angel with flying and first strike. Uh, very unimportant text. Uh, the next stuff is important. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Fireman Angel is in your graveyard or on the battlefield, you may gain one life. And then it has an activated ability of 6 red, red, white, white. So 10 mana. Return Fireman Angel from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only during your upkeep. There's a lot going on here. Remember that in Judge Tower, you have a shared graveyard, right? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, not uh, why it's complicated, but it, even though you know it's there, and a lot of the ways people die to these kinds of cards is not it's just straight up not knowing they're there or forgetting. Even if you know it's there, you'll probably miss something like in your upkeep, or you'll try and do it on someone else's turn. It's just a disaster. Right, but the cherry on top of this card is when the trigger is on the stack, and you activate it. Uh, you activate the ability, and it comes back to the battlefield. Uh, uh, and then, then and then you go, do I gain a life? <laughs> and then that's when that person gets to learn about intervening if clause is on triggered abilities. There you go. Learning experience. Learning so, experience. So that's this is actually a good example of a card that's not in a judge tower just for the sake of being there uh, and getting kills, but it, it teaches people about interactions in really weird situations that might come up right like you see fireman angel and that might teach them a little bit about how phallicut might work in a more popular format uh or or something with an intervening if trigger so yeah um notably they actually learned from this mistake um because i don't think they intended it to not make you gain life if you Mm. return to the battlefield so another card printed in Kaldheim called Quakebringer. Uh, it reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, Quakebringer deals two damage to each opponent. This ability triggers only if Quakebringer is on the battlefield, or <laughs> if Quakebringer is in your graveyard and you control a giant. <laughs> so, it, it they went to a lot of lengths to make sure that it does exactly what it says. It, it's like, oh, this triggers, and mm-hmm. then and then it doesn't matter if it's still in the graveyard or whatever. Yes. The next one, next card, uh, Idle Thoughts. It's one of my, it's one of my all-time favorites. It's a great one. Uh, three and a blue for an enchantment. Can pay two generic mana to draw a card if you have no cards in hand. Uh, why don't you go over uh, why this card is so good? So Idle Thoughts, as Jan just explained, has an activated ability. And we know that to activate abilities, you have to pay their costs. And intuitively, it would make sense that you wouldn't be able to activate this ability if you had cards in your hand, because that makes no sense. But that's not the case. You can activate this ability all you want. It just doesn't do anything. The ability resolves. It just does nothing if you have cards in your hand. So people will often try to activate it only when they have cards in their hands. And... It contradicts other cards that say activate this ability only if you have no cards in your hand, for example. So learning that distinction can be painful for a lot of people. This is another card that it is kind of in the Judge Tower to be, you know, kind of degenerate, but also teaches very good lessons about when you can and cannot activate abilities. Exactly. Yeah. The next card is kind of in the same boat. It's called Mox Amber. <laughs> Zero mana artifact. Legendary. 
you can tap it to add one mana of any color among legendary creatures and planeswalkers you control. Uh, notably, you do not have to have any legendary creatures or planeswalkers under your control when you activate this, as yeah. we have learned. Same, Idle same sort of thing with Idle Thoughts. You you can tap Mox Ember for it to do nothing. Uh, when you compare that to like Mox Opal, you can't tap Mox Opal uh, without Affinity, for example. Uh, Metal Crap, sorry. Yes. Yeah. And then the last card I have here, I don't know <laughs> if you can think of any others. but I, I have a few, yeah. You have a few? Perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, the last card I have here written is Fleet Wheel Cruiser. Uh, one of my recent favorites. Uh, this is a four mana artifact vehicle uh, with Trample Haste. Uh, it's a 5-3 when it's a creature. When it enters the battlefield, it becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. And it has crew two. So you can tap any number of creatures you control with total power two or more. And the vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. This is an activated ability, by the way. So this kind of has two modes to it. When you don't have a creature, and when you do have creatures. Yes. Um, when you do have creatures that can crew it, uh, you play the cruiser, and the trigger goes on the stack, and of course you can activate the ability in response, and then it becomes crewed, and then the trigger resolves, and then you can attack with it, because it has trample and haste, which are two kind of important keywords, honestly. Yes. But something special happens when you have no creatures in play. Uh, you can't crew it, so when it <laughs> enters, it becomes an artifact creature. Uh, and then if people go to attack, uh, you have to tell them they've lost, because they could have crewed the Fleet Wheel Cruiser with itself. Oh, yeah. Because now they have they actually can pay the cost. Yep, it can crew itself. It can crew it can, itself. You can crew itself. Yep. And these kinds of uh, creatures that can target themselves... These are like they're kind of edge cases in competitive magic, but mm -hmm. there are some cards that that can target something, but they yep. can also target themselves. So you can be like, I'll redirect it so that it targets itself or mm -hmm. whatever. And those are like the super tiny edge cases, but they can kind of get you ahead yep. one of every hundred games or or whatever. Uh, so I have for anyone interested uh we put in the description of this video on our youtube um i have a not uh completely updated list of all the cards in my judge tower and in that list i have a uh, i have everything bolded that has more than 10 pips on it more than 10 kills some of my favorites uh for, some of my favorites out of those i have it i have it organized by creatures enchantments all the all the types and all that some of my favorites include Dead Ringers, which is a, I believe, two and a black sorcery that reads, destroy two target non-black creatures unless one of them is a color, the other isn't. They can't be regenerated. <laughs> they can't, they can, and then they can't be regenerated. <laughs> let's, let's throw that laugh. Can't, can't, can't forget that one. Right. Nah. Oh, um, no. Man, this card, when you see people draw it and they go, what does this do? And then you look at them and go, I don't well, know. I don't know. What does it do? It well, says, it says it do? <laughs> and then they ask for Oracle text and it's just the same. It's like, well, what does the card do? It's, it's, it's obvious. It's, it's not. It's obvious. <laughs> it's not. This, this, is, uh, this card is less of a Judge Tower card, more of a reading comprehension exam. 
Oh. It's uh, oh. it's it's just a disaster, and it, it's good to have in there because reading the card does in fact explain the card, and when when you're faced with a card you don't fully understand, being able to parse what's going on and kind of break it up into parts is a good way to go about understanding how the card works as a whole. I mean, you say reading the card explains the card, but then there's Illusionary Mask. There's a reason why Illusionary Mask is not in my judge tower. <laughs> because it's like $5,000? No, wait. No, I don't think they're that expensive. But uh, I mean, if we're talking cost, it's about, uh, it's like two mana, but... Uh, <sighs> ah, so that's... That's what it feels to be on the other side. <laughs> another another good one I have in here is Dredge. Not the mechanic, but the card. The card, yeah. Dredge is a instant for a single black mana that says sacrifice a creature or land, a draw a card. Now the catch is if you don't it's not a cost to cast the spell. You just kinda do it. So if you don't have any creatures or lands to sacrifice, which isn't uncommon in Judge Tower. You still, you still get to cast Dredge. This would never come up in <laughs> any game of Magic that isn't Judge Tower. Because how are you supposed to cast Dredge without a land or a creature? As but... told. All Moving right. on. <laughs> this this guy's using As Foretold to cast Dredge. We're we're done. We're um, done. <laughs> All right. Um. Uh, any more? Yeah. Um, if periphery nodes on here the periphery nodes is just a wordy card uh and it also has a a, a state trigger which can get complicated in judge tower when things are getting flashed in and and whatnot yeah um if you want two of them there's also a drop of honey yeah um if you have like a thousand dollars to spend (laughs) on a single piece of cardboard yeah um, I think I would like to end on this last card here, unless you have another really good one. Uh, before we get to your last card, basically just groups of cards including include like triggers that you control that trigger when other people do stuff are a good way to, uh, to get kills because people aren't paying attention. And I have a bunch of world enchantments in mine. Which, oh yeah. man, that, that's some spice right there. All right, Jen. Let's hear. It. Let's hear this All last. Right. The creamest of the Karapas. It's 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 so good. I broke Singleton for it. Oh, oh yes. It's conjured currency. Yes, yes. yes, uh, yes. Five in a blue enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exchange control of conjured currency and target permanent you neither own nor control. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, the trigger itself isn't very complicated the first time. But it, once there's so much chaos going on, you start to forget what you technically own and who who drew what and when things happened and whose whose card even is this. Like it, it's just a mess. But it's good. It makes you pay attention. Or if the trigger even happens at all. Or if the trigger even happens at all. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm gonna flash this thing in my upkeep. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, trigger still doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, to differentiate them, because I'm not that cruel uh one's a foil oh so you you can big big spender spent that extra 10 cents according to tcg player (laughs) so those i I mean there are there are so many cards that we haven't even 
began to cover no. in the 18,000 some cards of magic but uh is that how many there are there are a lot wow there's so many but those are the ones that uh we kind of thought up of yeah to get you started uh tormenting your friends right and tormenting your enemies and uh just tormenting everyone um but with that i think we're gonna call it here um before we do that i do want it to be known that I've died to Fireman Angel exactly one time, and it was to the fact that I had first strike. <laughs> so, it, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. Uh, with that, we do leave you for another episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I have been, still am, and always will be uh, Sam Safalis. You can catch me on Facebook, Twitch, at Humble Greek, Discord, pretty much wherever. Yes, and you can find this cast on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Ooh, we even have on, a Twitter. Ooh, we're on Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Judge Tower Cast. If you ever Absolutely. feel like dropping uh, by, so with that, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Take care. The heights from which we...